Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast deals with discrimination, homophobia, suicide, and crimes against men and children. Please listen at your own discretion. If you are affected by any of the themes featured in this episode please contact your local support charity. Of course he was a friend of mine. So he got on the bus and I met John. He was basically the first person I really met when I came to Hong Kong. I, mean, I had no idea that he was a homosexual. Very pleasant guy. He was manipulated by SIU during the, the process. So it wasn't safe and he ought to have known that. I hadn't seen any clear evidence that arrest him for what? Um, and there he was. So they could kill two birds with one stone, uh, they could get rid of McLennan, and they could produce somebody that they'd had a prosecution for. Catching Worms, a Hong Kong true crime podcast. Nineteen seventy eight was drawing to a close. It had been an eventful few months for John McLennan. He had been accused of attempting to have sex with a minor, a male 17-year-old Chinese boy in a city where homosexual acts were illegal, an accusation brought by those who were friends and connected with his current work colleagues in Yuan Long. He had been sacked by the police commissioner and spent a miserable few months fighting his case with the help of social activist Elsie Tu. For John, a proud, macho Scotsman, to be outed in such a way must have been a terrible embarrassment. He had managed to keep his sexual preferences private up until then. And these last few months must have made him feel targeted, like his persona was disintegrating and he was completely alone. The worst was yet to come. With the help of Elsie too, the governor had intervened on his behalf. And although he'd been reinstated, he had been brought to the attention of the SIU, a special investigations unit set up to flush out homosexuality within the civil service. I spoke to Nigel Collett, author of A Death in Hong Kong, to find out what this meant for John. He's been moved out of Yunlong and he's being investigated now by the special 
um, investigations unit. So let's talk about what what the special investigations unit were doing at the time. What lines of inquiry were they following around, John? The SIU, in theory, was supposed to be following up the Duffy allegations, and they should have been setting their sights on a lot of very powerful and high-priced people in Hong Kong's establishment and following up the way they had been using young boys. They were not allowed to do that. Um, Nobody in the Hong Kong police force at that stage was ever allowed to go anywhere near somebody like the Chief Justice uh, or the then Commissioner of Police, who was also himself. This is Roy Henry's boss. He happened also to be homosexual. So they had to try and justify their existence and to show London that they were doing something by um, gathering information about people that they could um, safely prosecute. So during uh, 1978, they um, did some investigation in the early part of the year of people who were well known to be gay in Hong Kong, Um, a chap called Gordon Huttart, who who ran Disco Disco, which was the first real discotheque in Hong Kong. Um, Gordon was flamboyantly gay and didn't didn't care who knew it. Um, And so they went after him. Um, They went after a couple of people they didn't like in places like the legal department. And um, there was a civil servant they also went after. And they succeeded in gathering information about them. But none of it was really of anything to do with what they were supposed to be doing. And none of it led to a prosecution at that point. Duffy, the lawyer who'd been arrested in the summer of 1978, had given evidence, but this had led to nothing. Duffy, even with his list of names and photographic evidence, was the only one from his group of socialites, the only one from this paedophile ring, a ring set with those glistening high up in Hong Kong society. Duffy was the only one that had been accused of anything. Duffy, um, still stuck in prison, uh, got really angry and wrote another um, submission to the government, adding more names and more powerful names to what he'd already said. And that really did set the cat among the pigeons. And and it meant that the SIU couldn't just look at the smaller fry. They had to do something. There had to be a prosecution of somebody. And around about the same time, and this is the the final brick in the wall here, a new attorney general uh, called John Griffiths arrived from London who had been hired um, into the colonial service but had not been in the colonial service before. Uh, He was a London lawyer, a barrister, and a very fine lawyer. And he had been told in London before he got here that there was a tremendous problem uh, with gay sex in Hong Kong. And he arrived thinking that he was going to apply the law and he was going to make uh, the whole thing go away and he was going to sort it out. So he started to do so, and the mechanism um, that was at hand was the Special Investigation Unit. So he resurrected the SIU, he redirected them, and at that point the SIU was reinforced, it was given more authority to talk to people, but not still, it should be noted, with the really important people, still the middle-ranking people. And they were allowed to prosecute a sort of selection of people from the civil service, the police and and the legal department. The SIU needed to up its game, and with added reinforcements, Detective Nori McKillop was seconded from homicide. So when I arrived there, there was a superintendent in charge, and they'd already been operating for quite some time, uh, at least a year or two. And they were about to make some arrests, uh, uh, as I was briefed, including uh, the, the arrest of John McLennan, which kind of shocked me. I had no idea... Don't forget, 
Norrie and John knew each other. Of course, he was a friend of mine. <laughs> of course, yes, he was a contemporary of mine in the police force. So it must have been hard to investigate a friend, especially when your knowledge of them didn't really fit the bill. I, I never for one moment thought they was homosexual. But the Ewan Long case was closed. So what was John being accused of now? As I understood it, he was he was being investigated because he had been uh, picking up young youngsters, underage kids from the Star Ferry. They would open doors and taxis at the Star Ferry for people. Um, but quite a few of them were acting as male prostitutes. And he was apparently, um, allegedly, in the habit of picking up some of these youngsters and underage and taking them back to his quarters, which I found pretty shocking. Norris seems hesitant at this point. Allegedly, he says often, he's not sure what to believe. But Nigel Collett was convinced that the police needed these allegations to stick, to support an easy win, to get an arrest, to validate the work of the SIU. And the police made sure that the person that was going to be prosecuted from the police was John McLennan, because it was too easy an opportunity to let up. Um, and there he was. So they could kill two birds with one stone. Uh, they could get rid of McLennan and they could produce somebody that they had a prosecution for. As I was briefed, there was a plan uh, to arrest him uh, with a view to hopefully getting him dealt with and getting him out of Hong Kong as cleanly, as quickly as possible before he would bring embarrassment on the police force. Well, as it turned out, they brought huge embarrassment on the police force. But we'll come back to that later. For now, John McLennan is off to a new start. Unaware of the SIU's investigations, he's been reinstated and relocated. In December 1978, he has moved to the Ho Man Tin Station and his direct line of command, his boss, was a man he had welcomed into Hong Kong some four years earlier. So he got on the bus and I met John. He was basically the first person I really met when I came to Hong Kong. Detective Ian Grant was fond of John and pleased to have him on the team. He was Scottish, so there was a Scottish link. So I, I got to know him, but I'd say he was a friend, but not a close, close friend. And then that changed when he came to work in Omantin. I obviously knew him well, and he started to work for me because I was the officer in charge of CID in Homantin. Unlike in Yuen Long, things were working out well for John in Homantin. He was a good lad, it fitted in well. He's obviously, policing was his chosen vocation. He, he was a career policeman at that time. Work-wise, he, 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 was, he, he was a good lad, but he, he wasn't overly proactive. I mean, he, he dealt competently with the investigations at the level as a reserve team inspector. So basically, you worked for 24 hours and you collected all the cases that came in. So you dealt with them, whether it was a shoplifting or a domestic dispute with somebody's punched their wife or something like that. But if a murder came in, that would be escalated. So you, you dealt with things, the routine things at the lower level, and John did that competently. 
uh, and he's worked with the team sergeant and probably four detectives. Um, and he was one of the, the four teams and they would work in rotation and they worked to me. So he, he was fine there. John was back to being his old self. He was back to being a policeman. His sexual preferences he could keep private, a secret that maybe he'd kept for many years from himself. Uh, it was the sort of time um, in the world when people could still deceive themselves about their uh, sexuality for a very long time um, and um, be surprised when they actually found out what they were. And I have a feeling that that was probably what he was. Uh, he came to Hong Kong and I think he started to pick up vibrations from the Chinese policemen that were training alongside them in the police training school in Aberdeen. I think that's probably where he first um, got the idea that he might be attracted to men. There's no record of him being attracted to men in Scotland at all. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When John arrived in Hong Kong, he had been known to make friends easily and have relationships with women. A Chinese dancer, an army nurse and Filipino maid, all John claimed were notches on his bedpost. But in 1975, John made a new friend a teenage boy with an interesting name. Yes, Slasher George was somebody he bumped into on the beach on the south side of Hong Kong Island, a place where gay men would often go to find partners. And uh, he was a young boy, um, and I think at that stage he was probably about 15. So in modern terms, he'd be underage. And in Hong Kong terms, he was underage and illegal at that stage. 
and they became friends and stayed friends uh, for uh, the, probably something like the next uh, six or seven years uh, until McLennan's death. There is some dispute about Slasher George. When I asked Norrie about him, he'd never even heard of him. But from Nigel's research, Slasher George was the closest thing to a boyfriend for John McLennan. Although it wasn't exclusive. I would guess somebody like Slasher George, I mean, he was called Slasher because he had a horrible habit of slashing his wrists, which was rather sad. Uh, he was obviously quite disturbed, but he came from a family which had some money. And uh, I would imagine uh, John McLennan probably paid for drinks and things when he went out, but he wouldn't have paid Slasher George for sex. On the other hand, uh, when Slasher George was not around and he would sometimes be off in the Philippines or be elsewhere, uh, John would pay for um, rent boys. He would meet on the streets in Simtatui uh, and in other places. Um, and sex was, was there awful paid for. Yeah. John was taking a huge risk. It was a foolish thing to do. Uh, it was something that would get him noticed because all the boys on the game in the streets in Simtatui were known to the police. They were um, usually informers. Um, they were people the police used to um, get leverage on other um, people that they wish to um, bang up or, um, or um, prosecute um, or to use again for, for other purposes. So it wasn't safe and he ought to have known that. Remember, to partake in homosexual acts at this point in Hong Kong was a criminal offence that carried a life sentence. This wasn't just a misdemeanour. There was more to gamble with, not just trying to keep your job as a police officer. So at the time, he would have he would have seen at these accusations as pretty serious. Probably, yeah, serious uh, for a police officer to be picking up, particularly underage. Allegedly, he wasn't convicted of anything. Uh, allegedly, picking up underage boys at the start fair would be pretty serious. So to make such an accusation, the SIU needed a robust case. This was Detective Nori McKillop's first task. Well, they, they obviously been they've been working on it long before I arrived because it was it was virtually one of the first cases I was involved in. Now, the idea for John McLennan, the the plan for John McLennan, as I was as I was told, was to have him confess to it and then somehow deal with him very quickly and get him out of Hong Kong as quickly as possible. So, in a, in a humane sort of way rather than have him uh, set him up in court and have him officially charged in court and all this kind of thing. So it wasn't very, very clearly set out what was going to happen with John once they did arrest him. Um, so it was, very, it was never very clear in my head what, what their intentions were. Whatever they had planned, the SIU needed to gather as much evidence against John as possible, by whatever means. And this led to a chapter in your book you called The Setup. I should say that they didn't actually get round to setting him up. Mm-hmm. They tried, um, and they wanted to, because they couldn't find any evidence about him. Despite the fact that they'd been told to investigate him, they found it really impossible to find anything other than gossip uh, about the fact that he was often drinking, that he was spending too much money. Uh, but no one could pin down any evidence at all. In fact, I never saw any evidence of John taking underage prostitutes. I never saw any evidence or statements by underage prostitutes, uh, uh, male prostitutes, 
taken them back to his flat. Um, I never saw any real evidence of that. I'm not, I, I, I do believe John was uh, homosexual, um, but I never saw any evidence of committing of him. I never saw any evidence, clear evidence of him committing any crime. So with no evidence, the SIU needed something, somehow, to make an arrest. Um, they had definitely been told to, to get John McLennan and they uh, couldn't initially do that. And so they were under big pressure in the police. So they were um, basically on edge and I think um, they, they went a bit too far in some cases in the way they behaved to the prostitutes. Although I have to say that I think in those days in Hong Kong, slapping a few people around the head when you brought them into the uh, police in the, um, report room was not uh, unknown. Uh, that was just kind of the way that things were in colonies in those days. So they weren't different from anybody else, I think. To find people in the middle ranks, they recruited informers boys from the streets who would be hired as rent boys, earning money from the SIU by grassing on their customers. Noreen McKillop confirms this was a tactic the SIU were using. Now, the reason that we knew about these cases was because uh, the investigation unit had, had, had managed to cultivate a number of informants who were, in fact, these young boys uh, who would inform and various people and what actions took place and blah, blah, blah. So some allegedly government servants. uh... When you pay for evidence, it's tricky. It's understandable that those in need of funds might be prepared to offer up the testimonies you request. But the SIU were willing to go one step further. They decided to use an informer that they had come across uh, who they had forced to give him information uh, called Mike Fulton, who was a police inspector, who vaguely knew John McLennan uh, and who, um, and with his boyfriend, lived in the same block of government quarters. They um, put it to Mike Fulton that he should uh, use his boyfriend um, to... Uh, as a come on to McLennan so that they could then have evidence that McLennan has at least made an approach to somebody that they could then use as evidence that he was gay and then get rid of him. I've actually been in touch with Mike over the years on uh, WhatsApp. You know, he's a nice enough guy. Um, Very pleasant guy. He was manipulated by SIU during the the process. Uh, Do you remember Senior Inspector Michael Yes, yes, I remember him well. What was what was he saying? Uh, Fulton, uh, he was one of he, he was he, he was a police officer who was um, homosexual, and uh, he was one of the SIU's SIU's so-called snitches, um, rather obnoxious character, um, who I would have as little to do with as possible. Mike was a friend of mine. And he was working in, in Cullen City with me. And Mike was openly camp. You know, but you wouldn't, I, I, the thing was, if someone said to me, oh, did you know that Mike Fulton was, was gay? And I would say, yeah, yeah, I kind of, kind of assumed that. For Mike, being a snitch offered him the protection he needed. He was able to live in government quarters with his boyfriend and they turned a blind eye. Fulton was useful to the SIU. At the time, he was one of the only sources of hard intelligence about the gay community. He was invaluable. Living close by to John McLennan, a known homosexual, 
he was perfectly placed to win over John's trust. Fulton and John friends. Do you know? I wouldn't have put them in the same sort of group. And Mike Fulton was, um, he joined, um, I think later in 1974. So I knew him from police training school. He was in a, different, a later intake. Even though they weren't friends, for Mike Fulton, this was a step too far. Uh, Fulton, um, he'd done many things, but he didn't do that, and he refused to do the setup. And he um, then, at that point, ceased to be an informer. And the police <coughs> were, were left again with no information, um, except that by chance later on, um, somebody sadly um, dropped it all in their plate uh, when they arrested somebody completely separate from the whole case. Next time on Catching Worms. No inkling of anything troubling him or anything like that. Not at all. So before Christmas of 79, John McLennan knew that the police had in their hands enough evidence to get him out of the police force. Things came to a head when there was a decision made that he was to be arrested um, the next morning. Because he knew he's got a a, 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 a destiny moment at 10 o'clock. It became quite clear that there was at least one person in the SIU, and maybe more, uh, who were not averse to throwing their weight around and to threatening and making anonymous phone calls. This my gut instinct says, don't do that, please. This has been a Create Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. You can follow us on Instagram at CatchingWormsHK. With special thanks to Nigel Collett, author of A Death in Hong Kong, Detective Nori McKillop, and Detective Superintendent Ian Grant. And thank you for listening. Catching Worms this term means to get yourself into trouble, causing unnecessary difficulties. It may seem like an odd phrase, but this slang is often used as an abbreviation of the full saying That involves putting said worms up your rear end, which to anyone's imagination definitely spells trouble indeed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. 
Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.